If you have a, a Bible or a smartphone, you want to follow along. We're going to be spending some time in First Corinthians twelve. I'm, I'm going to not going to I'm not going to go there right away. Um, I'm going to go there soon. Um, but I encourage you, if, if, if you'd like to follow along, to, you, can, you can pull that out and you can go there now. We're in a series right now where we're talking about what it means to, um, you know, we, we as a church, it's, it's good to sit and talk and say, what do we have to offer? And what does it mean to bring that together and do something with it together? We all have things to offer. We have our presence, our time. We have our, our talents. We have our money. And we talk about that. And we have our prayers. And what does it mean to take what you have and offer it? But we also know, like, there's a lot of people in our community, and I just want to name this, that are, that are going through hard stuff. Um, that are struggling with one thing or another. There's people who are struggling with anxiety or high pressures at work, and there's people who are exhausted. And so, and there's pe- servants, various teams are serving in multiple roles and are feeling a certain kind of exhaustion or, or frustration. And, and so when we entered into this series, I was like, how do we talk about what it means to offer what you have, but do it in a way that, you know, doesn't add on top of that? Like, I don't want to add on top of what already is potentially a difficult season. Now, that's not everyone's story, you know. Some people... Life couldn't be better, and that's awesome. Um, but there are people who are having a hard time. So how do we talk about what it means to give without, uh, not just financially, but all of the things that we have to offer, without adding to the pressure? And uh, that's where we said, you know, like, it's not about the amount. It's not about operating out of a place of scarcity. It's, it's, it's an invitation to say, hey, look, let's just offer, you offer what you've got. If it's really, if it's a, just a little bit, awesome. And if it's a lot, awesome. And I'm not going to compare myself to you or to each other. Like, we just believe that when we all just bring what it is that we have, we bring it, and God takes it, and God does something really cool. So that's been the heart, and that's been the the focus. Uh, And so we've talked about what it means to bring our presence. And yeah, we're busy. We can't always show up. But like, what if, bring your presence, bring yourself when you can. And uh, we talk about bringing your prayers and like wrestle with what it means to commit to pray for our community and what it means to bring your financial gifts, what it means to bring today. We're going to talk about your, your talents or your spiritual gifts, these, these things that you, this unique thing that you have to offer this world, you, and all of, the, all of its glory and beauty. So we're going to talk about that uh, and, and create space for it. Um, so the passage I want to look at is 1 Corinthians 12. And um, hold on. I want to do something a little different. I have the, I have the thing up here. Uh, acting funny on my screen, sorry. I want to look at 1 Corinthians 12, and um, this is a passage where Paul is talking about these spiritual gifts, and he's trying to address a very real problem in the early church. So this church in Corinth um, uh, was really diverse. It was made up of people who are really different from each other, and the problem with diversity is that it creates all kinds of problems. People don't understand each other. People don't always get along. And so he's trying to address it. And the first thing he says is, he says in verse one, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I want you to be, I don't want you to be, I want you to be, I do not want you to be uninformed. Sorry. What he's saying is, a lot of times I feel like we know too much and we don't act on it. Like, this is a problem in Christianity. Like, I know a lot, but I don't live it out. But here Paul's saying, like, You've got these problems in your church. You've got this problem around diversity, around community. If you learned this, if you were informed on this topic, it would actually help quite a bit. So as we walk through this, we're talking about community. We're talking about what it means to be alongside people who are different from you, people who experience God differently than you, people who respond to God differently than you, people who experience the world differently than you. And what does it mean to live in that kind of of community. He goes on, verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, somehow 
or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. Here's where we start. The question we have to ask in any sort of community is what brings us together? What's the one thing we have in common? The rest of this chapter is going to talk about all the things they don't have in common. And, it's, and they're going to, Paul's going to say it's good that they don't. You know, all this diversity, you bring different gifts. But he starts by saying there's one thing that, that, that's in common. And, and what makes you a part of the people of God is you declare Jesus as Lord. This is very logical. It's really simple. He says, what makes you a Jesus follower is you choose to follow Jesus, right? You're saying, this is language here that's servant-master sort of uh, culture. You have to remember that this is, this is in a time where there were servants and there was masters. And the, Lord, the word here for Lord meant master. And Lord feels kind of like a religious term, like Lord, Lord my God. But it meant a very, it was a practical role in their society. You were a master over servants. And he says, what makes you a follower of Jesus is you choose to be a servant to Christ. That you say, Christ, you are going to be my master. And that's what makes you the same. And what we're going to find is all of the other things and how we respond to our master and, and the, the, the gifts that our master gives us, all of those things are going to be different. But the one thing that brings us together is that we choose Jesus as Lord. So he goes on. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So what we have is a couple of words here. First, he says, there are gifts and they come from a spirit. There are service, and they come from a Lord, and there are working, and they come from God. And these are intentional. The word here for gifts is, uh, is the Greek word that means grace. It says there are gifts from God that you received that you didn't deserve. That's the idea of grace. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. This is an important place to start, friends. When we talk about what we have to offer our community, what you have to offer wasn't yours to begin with. Everything you have. And, and, and he's talking spirit, specifically about spiritual gifts. He's, he's talking specifically about gifts that we receive because we chose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we have these gifts to offer the church. But I would say it applies in a much broader sense to everything you have to offer. The breath that you have from the very beginning when you were born, you didn't choose it. It was a gift that God gave you. And so every talent that you were created with, that's grace too. You didn't, you didn't deserve it. You maybe put a lot of work and effort into it, but it's still a gift that you received initially, and now you offer it to everyone else. Which means when we offer it, who gets the credit, right? If it's a gift to begin with, and I'm giving just a gift that I got, I, I can't really, I mean, it, I hope that I, you know, people say thank you and maybe acknowledge me, but I'm not really getting the credit because it was always about God's grace working through me through the power of the Holy Spirit. The second thing he says is there are different kinds of service. The Greek word here is the same word for servant. It goes back to that master-servant culture. And he says there's different kinds of servant. The word in Greek literally means um, to wait on tables, right? What it means to be a servant. You had some people who sat at tables and ate, and you had other people who worked around the table and provided for them in the master-servant culture. And he says, he gives different kinds of ministry, but ministry in all of its different kinds is under this one category of what it means to serve and take on the role of a servant because they come from who? The Lord, which is once again, Greek word, master, Lord, servant, master. And so in all the things that we do, all the ways in which we give to community in the people as a people of God, it should be from this place of humility, from 
Jesus' example of washing his disciples' feet. I was thinking about this. One of the, one of the things I do um, that uh, helps me remember that my contribution to the church, I can talk about my contribution because I understand it, but we all contribute different things. And I want to suggest that all of our contributions are equally important. So I might be up front. I don't think that's that big of a deal. I used to think that was a big deal. It's not a big deal, friends. Anyone can come up front and talk. A lot of people can be interesting, all right? And I try to be sometimes. But it's not that big of a deal in, in the grand scope because it's just God's grace, and, and I view it as a servant. One of the ways that keeps me in check is, is uh, I, I get the opportunity to drive the, the trailer. We're a mobile space. We bring these big boxes in, and I drive it. We've talked about creating a team. We haven't for a variety of reasons, and um, I was thinking about that today. But pulling the trailer, uh, even more so than get the, the chance to speak to you all, it's, it's a servant role. It's just, you know, like anyone can do it, really. If you don't think you can, I know there's some people like, I could never pull that trailer. I, you could. We could teach you. It might take some of you longer than others to learn, but it's, it's totally possible. And I love that because I think we should all, no matter where you find yourself, be offering yourself doing something that is just you're taking on the role of a servant because we have submitted our lives to the master of our lives, Jesus Christ. It's not about fame. It's not about recognition. It's not about being seen. I'm serving. Six, he says, verse six, there are different kinds of working. The Greek word here, interestingly enough, is uh, the, where we get the Greek word, uh, where we get the English word energy. It pretty much sounds the same, energy. And he says, here's this God who is at work in the world, who can do far more than we could ever think or imagine, and God gives us the energy, the power, the capacity to bring about change in the world, and all of it is from God. And there's this sense that here's one of the things that why Paul is saying all of this, He's saying to this church of people who have become somewhat divided, who are comparing each other's contributions to the community. This is what was happening. He says, and they were rejecting each other based on their contributions. So I, they, their issue was speaking in tongues. They're like, well, I speak in tongues. It makes me better. You don't speak in tongues. You're worse. I, you know, or you're not even a Christian because you're not speaking in tongues. Here's what he says. All of these gifts, all of these service, all of these things that God gives us that we bring a unique flavor to the community, if you reject someone because of those things, the unique, their unique contribution, you're not rejecting them, you're rejecting God. You're rejecting what God is doing through them. Because ultimately, all of these things, your unique contribution to our community is because of God. Going on, verse 7. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I mean, that's exactly what we've been saying, isn't it? it this isn't about... Um, me being good at something, God has given me something good so I can build myself up. It's for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. Uh, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, interpretation of tongues. I'm not going to spend today uh, wrestling with what it means to speak in tongues. That would be... Uh, uh, an interesting sermon for another time. But what I want to do is I was really struck by these two. What, uh, the, this idea of message of wisdom and uh, to another faith. You know, because I think what happens in Christianity is we kind of expect, we kind of, I think, first off, we tend to compare ourselves. This is a problem of humanity. We always compare ourselves, and we kind of think that we should be like other people. And so when I've met people in my life who just have an immense amount of faith, and when I see someone with an immense amount of faith, there's a part of me that says, man, I hope to be like them someday. When I see someone with an immense amount of wisdom that brings to the world, I was like, I want to be like them someday. 
And what I read here is like, these are gifts themselves. And, and, and God gives to each of us differently. And some people have a gift of faith. Some people have a gift of wisdom. The only reason why I would need all of the faith anyone would need and why the only reason I would need all the wisdom that anyone else could need and why I would need all of the other gifts all to myself is if I was going to do this by myself. If I'm in a community and you have the gift of faith and I've got faith but I struggle with it, I can rely on your faith in those times where I'm doubting. And if you have the gift of wisdom... And I like have a little bit of wisdom, but I can rely on your wisdom. The only reason I would need to have them all for myself is if I was going to try to do this by myself. But if I choose to be a part of community and I recognize the gifts in other people, all of a sudden I can benefit from what God has given them. And if you've never benefited from someone else's wisdom, I have no idea how you made it this far. I really don't. I mean, I, I couldn't have made it this far if I didn't benefit from someone else's wisdom, someone else's faith, someone else's perspective, someone else's gifts. Going on in verse 11, he says, all of these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. We, we have to stop comparing ourselves to other people. And this is hard. God has given you what you have. You ha hear me. You have something unique to offer. You are not just here by mistake. You have a gift. You were created with gifts, and when you chose, when you choose to allow yourself to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you're given probably even additional gifts. And those are beautiful, and they're extremely useful, and God wants to do something with you in our community. We can't compare ourselves to each other because God works in strange, mysterious ways. Here's the antidote to comparison. Gratitude. When you find yourself comparing yourself to someone else, stop and just express gratitude for who God created them to be. I'm, you know, it's, you don't compare yourself when you're saying, I'm just so grateful this person has that much faith. You know, that's different than saying, boy, I wish I had, you know, I need more faith like they do. It's like, no, I'm so grateful this person has that kind of faith and I can be in a relationship with them and, it's, I'm, and I'm so grateful for the things that I had to offer. Gratitude is the antidote to comparison. Paul goes on in the letter and he says this in verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. If we were baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink, even so... The body is not made up of one part, but of many. This is all about what it means for us to be one. What it means for us to lay aside our insecurities, our busyness, and say, I have something to offer. And it's not just for me. It's There are people here who need what I have to offer. I hope you believe that. That there are people here who, who, who need what you have to offer. The body is made up of many different parts. But for one purpose, to be one body. 
He goes on. Uh, Mara, my uh, keynote froze out. You can go to the next slide. He goes on and says this. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. He goes on and says a few other things. I want to stop it there for a second. Paul says something really radical. If you've ever felt like you couldn't belong, there, there are most places that if you feel like you don't belong, it's probably because you don't belong. All right? That's how life works. If you feel like, I don't really belong here, in most places in the world, you probably don't belong there. In the body of Christ, if you feel like, I'm not sure I belong here, it doesn't change it. The way you feel about it doesn't change it. The foot can say, I'm not the hand. And Paul's like, doesn't change the fact that it, you know, the foot's still very much a part of the body and very much important. The foot can feel as insecure about that as the foot wants. We're still walking today. No matter how the foot feels about it. So that's what's the beauty about the, the kingdom of God and the person of God in almost every other area of your life. If you're like, I don't know if I belong here. Yeah, you probably don't. You're probably in the wrong place. You're with people who don't get you. But in the kingdom of God, I don't. How you feel about belonging is significant. I don't want to belittle that. And it can be very, very difficult to feel like you belong sometimes. But in the kingdom of God, theologically and empirically, no matter how you feel, if you've ever questioned whether you can make a difference, whether you're significant, you are. And I just want to say that I think we all question that from time to time. I know I have. I do in significant ways. I pull back the curtain for a second, and I'll just be honest with you. I'm not the only one, but pastors, I know many pastors who question whether they're making a difference at all. We're in a couple different Facebook groups, and pastors share candidly. And, and they, they wonder whether they make a difference. They wonder whether anyone, you know, whether the church would be better if they weren't there. Uh, and it's very common, and this is something I struggle with, it's very common for pastors uh, either Sunday afternoon or Monday to just really hate ministry, hate them. Like just, it's Sunday afternoon, uh, you know, Sunday afternoon blues, Monday blues of pastors where you're just like, I'm questioning. If you talk to me after service, I'm just going to let you in on a secret. If you talk to me after service and ask me how I'm doing, the correct answer for me is I'm wondering whether I said the right thing every week. I, I'm sorry. It just is. It 100% is. And some of you are laughing because you know it's true. And I'll talk, I'll, and I'm pretty honest. I try not to hide the fact. I'll tell you. I'll, if you, get, you start asking questions, I'll get into it with you too. And I'm like, well, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. And I'm already in the, I'm like preaching and I'm thinking about things that maybe we could have done differently today. Um, and if I'm up front and, and doing this and I feel called by God and I've got all this ministry experience and I've studied and I've gone to, edu- I got so much education and I still struggle to wonder whether, it's just human, friends. But the important thing for us to realize is that, you know what? Even those times where I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not the hand, I'm just a foot, still important. And I want to be a church where we can remind ourselves that. He goes on and says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. The whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And it is there are many parts, but one body. Here's something that we believe, and, and for some reason, I almost think it's radical, but it seems so obvious to me. When you showed up, we became a little different. You bring something that we didn't have before, and when you're not here, we're a little different because the thing that you bring, and, and, and my job, I, I view this as my primary occupation, and I'm not always good at it, but my primary occupation, the reason why I get paid to do this thing is not to preach or anything else or get people to come. It's to help you figure out how you can engage that more and more. 
you can find out what God created you for, and I can help, and we can help create space for you to live into that. He goes on, next uh, verse. Uh, Yeah, sorry, my iPad is too old. It did great the first service, but I think it's tired. Such is life. He says a few other things, and he ends the chapter with verse 31, and he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. He goes on, and he talks about all of the difficulties of what it means to be in community and for us to wrestle with the fact. The fact that we are unique is one of the things that we wrestle with because it creates questions. We compare ourselves, and we wonder whether we're significant. All of the things that make us unique, is it creates insecurities in us, but it's actually meant to be a beautiful thing. And he goes through all of that, and he says, even... Everything that I've said, let me tell you something even better. That's 1 Corinthians 12. The next chapter, the more excellent way, is 1 Corinthians 13. You're probably familiar with it because you've been to a wedding before. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you into a season of reflection. I, I do want to let you know that on the other side of the stair step card is, is a, a place to sign up. We, we would love for you to serve. We have a number of places to serve on Sunday morning. We believe that these are authentic ways to live into what you can offer, to take on the role of a servant, to serve Jesus. And we would absolutely love you to consider. And I know some teams and some team leaders that would very much appreciate you willing to step up. I know that City Kids would love more people. I know our transitions team would, would love a few more people. Barron's in charge of transitions, so, yeah, he's preach it, brother. Uh, but, but all these... but but. As an invitation to say, no, you have something unique to bring, you know, that ministry won't even be the same if you become a part of it. We, we, we invite you to be a part of it. Um, and, and you can just fill that out. You can put it in the Dropbox. You can give it to one of us. I encourage you to do so. But today, as we reflect, what I want to do is once again invite us into a, a, a contemplative place of prayer to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us, to work to us, uh, to, to work in us, and to inspire us. So what I want to do is I'm going to be reading 1 Corinthians 13. And I invite you to get into a place that's comfortable um, and remove the distractions, put your phone away, all of that. And, and I'm going to read First uh, Corinthians 13. And, and some of it I'm, I'm going to read quickly, but then I'm going to pause in a couple different places. And I'll read just short phrases like, love is patient. And when I pause, my invitation to you is to take a second and turn that into a prayer. Lord, help me be more patient. Turn that into a a, a moment of reflection. Is this something that I struggle with? Is this something that I could use more of? Um, Allow there to just be a a, a brief momentary touch point where you go to God and knowing that God's grace is available to you, that God's forgiveness is in those areas. Maybe I read one of these and you say, this is a sin in my life. This is a problem. Allow God's grace to meet you there as you confess and you name that in your life. Um, But help as we reflect on these Allow God's, uh, through the Apostle Paul's words about love, to begin to shape us and mold us and build us into a community that embraces what makes us unique. So let us pray. God, as we read your scripture, we trust that it is sharper than a double-edged sword, able to pierce to our, into our hearts. Allow us to hear from you today. So Lord, as your Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. does not boast. It is not proud. does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. God, when we encounter the difficulties of life and community, help us to be more loving. 
Help the ways in which we love each other to be a model for this world and, and for each other. Help the ways in which people love me and the ways in which I love others to inspire and to encourage, to give us the hope and the perseverance and the authenticity that we so long for. Oh God, who is love, meet us and change us. It's your son's name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. Friends, we're gonna close with a... Uh, a blessing. And I just invite you to stand. And uh, if you feel so led, uh, sometimes it's nice to just open your hands, a posture of receiving. You're welcome to do that. It's a blessing we say every week. It's simply this. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. And may he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. See you all next week.